Diversity. It's a word we hear a lot of today. Across industry, research has shown that there's a direct correlation between diversity and an increase in the level of innovation. This is especially important in the gaming industry as diverse teams with different experiences and knowledge will no doubt make for more creative and robust titles. Today on Just Saying With, we have with us Daryl Long, Managing Director, Ubisoft Singapore and the Philippines, to talk about how diversity affects or adds to the gaming industry. Hi, Daryl. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Zed. Thanks for, thanks for having me. No worries. Yeah. So, Daryl, diversity, it's such a broad word. Um, how would you, um, well, you know what, before we go into diversity, let's talk about you a little bit. So, you've been with Ubisoft for quite a while. So, um, you started off in 20, 2003. Uh, as, the many, as the managing director of Ubisoft Winnipeg. And how long have you been in Asia now? So you're running the Singapore and Philippines teams. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been just over a year, actually, that I've been in, in Asia. So I'm still pretty fresh here, still, uh, still figuring things out and, and experiencing everything. Um, but actually, so I want to go back. I started at Ubisoft in 2003 uh, as a programmer. Uh, and so I've been, it's almost 20 years that I've been with Ubisoft and I worked my way up from, you know, that programming career and becoming a producer and eventually a managing director. Uh, so it, it's been a, it's been a long, exciting career uh, in video games. And it's, it's interesting because a lot of people like they don't, they don't see video games as a career, right? They don't think like, oh, I could, I could do video games as a career option, you know? Uh, and that's that's actually true for me too. <laughs> Starting out, I never thought that I'd go into video games. Well, I mean, it is an Asian stereotype. It's a stereotype, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, even my parents, you know, when I used to play, I, I used to play a lot of games. I still do. I still do. And they always used to go, "You're wasting your life. Why are you playing games? There's no future in gaming." You know, and that, that was that's the thing that's kind of like stuck. You know, they kept going. There is no future in gaming, and now gaming's more or less taken over the world. And yeah, yeah. and so I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, and and I heard almost exactly those words from my uh, from my dad as well a long time ago. But it, it it was the opposite. It was my mother who who led me into this. Um, so back, like I'm dating myself a little bit here, uh, but in, I think when the Commodore 64, and I, I don't even know if you've heard of that computer, yes, but mm -hmm. when it, when it came out, my dad went out right away and he thought it was so cool. And he bought one and he brought it home and he set it up and realized he had no idea how to use it. And the thing just sat there and nobody was touching it. And my mom said, this is ridiculous. Like we spent thousands of dollars on this thing. We need to figure out how to use it. So she actually joined like a computer club and she learned how to use the, the Commodore 64. And then she introduced us to games and it was through that. And I started playing games and it, you know, back then it was like text-based games. Um, and I started playing those, but I wanted to make my own games. And at that point, I'm like eight, 10 years old, something like that. 
And, uh, and my mom said, okay, I'll find out how to make games. So my mother went back to this computer group and she said, how do you make games? And they said, well, you need to learn how to code. So they taught my mom how to code. She learned how to code so she could teach me how to code. And then like, there I am like a 10 year old coding my own games. And of course they were terrible. And like, you know, I was a kid, but that it's something that continued all through my, my life, like as a teenager and going to university. And even when I was working uh, before the video game career started, I was always building games in my spare time. It was like, it was a thing that kind of kept me sane through everything I was doing growing up. And it never occurred to me that you could actually get paid to make video games until I remember that day, like going, I was on a career website or a job website and I was looking and, and I see an ad for a video game programmer job. And I was like, Whoa, I didn't know. Like I had no idea that existed and I applied for it. I mean, the rest is history, but like, I uh, never looked back. It, it was the right thing for me from the beginning. Well, that, that's, you know, really, really interesting. And I do have a question around, uh, what you've just said, but I'll get to that later on in the show. Um, but my experience was quite different from yours, where my dad bought me. So my first uh, console system was the, um, well, the original NES. But mm. the moment I started playing, he said, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so we had no idea why it was bought. Uh, okay. Obviously, it was just there for show. So we weren't allowed to use it. But, you know, so it's a very slightly different experience there. Um, but they're also... To the topic of the show today, diversity. And your background actually, I guess, speaks a lot to that um, in a sense as well. And now that you're here in Asia, but what is diversity to you in, let's say, the gaming industry and uh, maybe to you first and then to Ubisoft? Yeah, because there, there's so many ways we can look at diversity. Um, what's the scope of diversity you're looking at? Yeah, it, I mean, diversity has many, many different facets, right? And 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 I really I liked what you said at the beginning of the show about how um, creativity does come from diversity, and I 100% agree with that. And I think that's something that we know very well at Ubisoft. Um, I've so my my personal angle on it is like I've worked in male-dominated industry almost my whole career. Right. And we know that the video game industry is primarily male dominated. And that's something that the industry absolutely has to change. Um, we need to drive that change. Um, and, and in my early career, I was working in studios that, that were mostly men. And, and you see that like you, it forms that kind of uh, hive mind group think where everyone sort of works the same way and thinks the same way. And, and without the diversity, there's there's no challenge. Nobody's thinking differently. Nobody's challenging the status quo and saying, we should do this differently. And that is, to me, that's what diversity brings is um, it, it, it sparks creativity. That, that challenge, that different ways of thinking coming together in new ways is where creativity comes from. And you're absolutely right that it's tied to innovation as well. I mean, the video game industry is constantly changing. It's one of the, the fastest growing, most aggressive industries out there. And if we're not innovating, if we're not pushing the boundaries, then we're just going to get left behind. And that's what, um, and that's where diversity 
actually makes such a huge contribution. It's shown, I mean, there's studies out there. Uh, the McKinsey report shows that uh, the more diverse companies are more profitable companies, things like that. Um, and as a creative company, uh, we need to be a diverse company as well. I, I've been frustrated by our industry's challenges with diversity, uh, equality, and equity. Um, our industry needs to do better, absolutely, um, and embrace diversity. So for for me personally, it's been uh, gender diversity is is probably the the peak. You know, I mean, um, if we're not gender diverse, uh, then we're missing out on, on a huge portion of the population in any location, in any part of the world that we're in. Um, when I uh, worked, uh, sorry, when I started the studio in Winnipeg uh, back in 2018, um, it was something that I wanted to begin with. You know, when you're starting a new studio, when you're starting a new group, it's easier to create that foundation of values. Um, as we were building the studio, we asked ourselves, what are the values we want to have uh, as a studio? And, and the top one was diversity. So um, we, we began right from the beginning with this idea that we need to find out why there isn't more diversity in the video game industry, why there isn't more gender diversity in the video game industry. And we started work with some universities in uh, Winnipeg, Canada, where we were looking at what, what are the deterrents that, that women have to going into uh, video game careers, which quickly became what are the deterrents, what are the blockers that women face going into STEM careers? And that it was amazing, like the, the things that we learned working with the, the researchers and the universities, and they, they did a, a pretty extensive body of research uh, on that. And it showed that it starts as early as age five, that, that young women will be told like, oh, well, math isn't really for you or, oh, technology is too complicated. And these things happen all through a woman's uh, life as girls are growing up, they're, they're being discouraged from going into STEM careers. And so we started working with the university. How do we build programs and community initiatives that will remove some of those barriers for women and encourage them uh, to go into STEM careers? And that was like, for me, that, that, was, that was huge. It was uh, revolutionary you know, to learn these things, to, to, to be able to develop these programs. And that, to me, led here in, in Singapore um, directly into uh, Ubisoft Singapore joining the, the Singapore Women in Tech pledge last year, where that pledge was that we'll, we'll help our female team members reach their full potential in their careers. Uh, we'll expand our talent pool beyond the traditional uh, video game talent pool. We'll work with partners as well. And, and that's led to a lot of the initiatives here in Ubisoft Singapore in terms of like the groups and the programs, the training programs that we have, uh, employee resource groups that we formed just to, to talk about and understand better uh, what are the challenges that women face in the video game industry so we can start to address those blockers. And so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Ubisoft and its games and probably no more than, um, you know, Assassin's Creed is one of my favorite games. Um, probably of all time. And I followed the series for, for a long time. So based on what you've just said, so I believe it was Odyssey where you could first choose the gender of your, well, the main character. And so my wife games as well. And we sit down and she has her save and I have mine. And well, um, 
yes, I do normally use the male characters, but now she feels she's got representation in the game where she can choose. It's the same storyline. There, there are no changes. Uh, the, you know, the characters are just as strong as each other. Um, is that one of Ubisoft's um, strategies to be more inclusive? Absolutely. I, I'm, that's a change that's been going on for years. And I think Ubisoft is a company that does embrace diversity. Um, and of course, there's still much, uh, so much more work that we need to do. Uh, our, our studio has been part of that journey. Uh, both Ubisoft Singapore and Philippines have been contributing to the Assassin's Creed series, as you mentioned, uh, for the last, you know, it's been the last, what, 11 releases in Assassin's Creed ever since Assassin's Creed 2, actually. Um, and it's been a, it's been a, a long journey as well and a, and a lot of development in our studio like to to build up to that level where we are one of the big contributors to the assassin's creed brand and, and creating those experiences um you know it, it's it goes beyond the 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 borders of the studio let's say you know like um we're a studio that started as 22 people 13 years ago and now we're more than 500 uh, working here in Singapore, plus another uh, 150 in the Philippines. And part of our mandate is not, uh, it, sorry, part of our mandate is, of course, building these great AAA games, but it's also building the ecosystem of video games uh, in Southeast Asia. Um, a good example of that is like uh, our membership with the Singapore Video Games Association, the SGGA, uh, you know, we, we usually have a, a member of our team. In fact, I think one of our, our team members, Sunita, was just nominated to the executive committee. Um, and, and beyond that as well, working with local schools, uh, uh, with student programs, things like that. But even beyond that, with research, as I mentioned, we were doing research in Ubisoft uh, in Winnipeg, Canada, but we're also doing research with uh the universities here in Singapore. So um, a lot of it's machine learning, a lot of it's next-gen technology and things like that. Like how can we improve the experience for our players and our games? How can we even improve the way that we build our games? Um, but all of this is to create that ecosystem of creativity in Singapore, in Philippines, um, and to be able to attract a wide and diverse group of people into our studios to again, build that creativity that, I mean, creativity can't live in isolation. It needs to be fed. I want to move the, well, uh, move the peg about diversity just a little bit here. So um, I'll say the entertainment industry. So maybe comic books were one of the first ones that tapped into the Asian market. Uh, you've got so many great artists coming out from the Philippines and Indonesia that um, well, they're world-renowned. They work for your DCs, your Marvels. They run their own lines uh, on Image and uh, whatnot. Uh, you've had Disney and the other production studios that have set up offices here uh, in Asia, well, really to help with time zones and work around the clock mm. on a project. But that's all very operational. So with yes. Ubisoft uh, having your offices in, say, Singapore and Philippines for yourself, not just about gender diversity. How would you, how do you feel the cultural diversity has added to Ubisoft as an organization 
with the Asian offices? That's it, it is absolutely part of our strategy here in, in Southeast Asia is um, let's say there's a, a, a unique flavor to the region, right? And that the and that that does show itself in the games that people play and and, and even the games that, that we can build. And and that was something that came out of the work that we did with our teams here in Singapore um, a year ago. Uh, when I joined the studio, one of the first things that I did was say, okay, what are what's important to us? What are our priorities as a studio? What do we believe in? And we did this like consultation and workshop process. There's more than 150 people from the studio involved in that. And there's three main points that came out of that. Um, it was first, you know, we want to be a fun and caring place to work. We want to be a place where everyone's having a good time. And I always say like, uh, video games are fun. It's entertainment. It should be fun to make games, right? Um, the second is that we need to be courageous innovators, right? We need that diversity of thought. We need to be innovating all the time. And the third is that uh, we need to be the leaders in our industry. And by leaders, I think this one's really impactful is the team wasn't just talking about being, you know, the best in the industry. It's about being role models, we need to be the role models for the industry and for uh, the communities around us in the way that we act and the way that we contribute. Um, and representing the cultures here in Singapore and Philippines and in Southeast Asia is part of that. We want to make games that reflect the culture, games that will appeal across the world and will sell across the world because of course Ubisoft's a, a huge publisher and we sell our games everywhere. But that also have that flavor of what makes Singapore and Philippines so special. And the way that the team wanted to express that is in our vision and our strategy for the studio. And what they came up with is that um, we'll reach every player in the world from the little red dot. And, you know, that that's that story is new to me. Right. I, I mean, I'm, I've only been here for just over a year. I didn't know, but it's something that really resonated with the team. And I'm sure you know that story, too, but I'll, I'll repeat it uh, the way that it came to me was that Indonesia had a joke that the red dot on the map was bigger than the island of Singapore itself. Yes, and that's true. <laughs> yeah. OK. And the Singapore government said, all right. Let's own that. Let's be the little red dot that influences the entire world. And that that idea really resonates with us. You know, we're 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 uh, we're a, a big studio. We uh, we have a big contribution through games like uh, Assassin's Creed and Skull and Bones, but still, we're a small country that influences the other the entire world. And the message there is: let's let's punch above our weight class. You know, like, let's really hit uh, big. And that inspired our team. And that's why we took that as our vision is to reach every player in the world from the little red dot. Um, you know, our team's already best in class. Like, we're already one of the top contributors at Ubisoft. We're making games that are at a world level. Um, we're the team that's that's one of the premier contributors to Assassin's Creed. For the last many Assassin's Creed titles, we're building Skull and Bones. We're the lead studio on Skull and Bones, as you can see behind me. Um, and that's like that. I mean, that's an incredibly ambitious game. People don't know about it yet. Um, 
but it is incredibly ambitious title that's really doing things different. Like it's truly a one of a kind game and we're the lead studio on it. We're the lead studio on these huge games. Um, we're the largest studio in Southeast Asia. And that comes with some responsibility, you know, like we, we do need to be the role models. We do need to show uh, other studios, other game companies in the region, what it means to be a great community contributor and uh, and absolutely our intention is to put Singapore on the map for video game development. Right. And now I just want to move, I mean, what you've said is actually truly quite inspiring. And I just want to move the needle just a little bit for the last mm. facet of diversity that we're going to take a look at. And it's going back to what you said in the beginning. Um, you never thought you're going to be in the gaming industry. Mm. Functional or professional diversity. Um, the gaming industry or basically the thought that I could work in the gaming industry might just be occurring to some. Um, is there still an opportunity? Is, is it a must to have a gaming background or, you know, preferred to have mm. a gaming background? But what, what is it like for people that don't have a gaming background? Um, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but um, just, you know, do they still serve a purpose, a role? Um, when is it too late to join the gaming industry? Hmm. That's a, that's a really really great question. I don't I don't think it is ever too late. I, I've had amazing su success stories with people who have come from other industries like construction, for example. You know, a person who's a project manager in construction who then comes into the video game industry. Um, and she she built her way up, like she relearned all the skills and it, you know, the it, the uh, the core job skills are transferable, but all those skills about what makes video games unique, she learned all that on the job and, and uh, is still uh, very successful. That's just one example. Um, and that that idea of, of of hiring diversely is something that that we uh, that we have to embrace as an industry and get out of this idea um, that it's always got to be video game developers that we hire. Um, I it's something that I say often is that if you're only hiring based on the length of somebody's resume, you're always going to end up hiring a guy in the video game industry because it's been a male dominated industry for so many years that they're way more men out there with long resumes than there are women. Um, and so we have to change our approach. We need to learn from that. We need to adapt to it. Um, so there's, there's three things that we've done in, in Singapore to, to address that. One is uh, diverse hiring panels. Make sure that we have representation um, in the people that are doing the interviews, that we have multiple rounds of interviews with a, a, a wide group of people. The second is uh, make sure that we have diverse candidates. You know, it's a fast moving industry. Often we need to fill a role quickly. And if you just hire the first person that comes along with enough lines on their resume, you're probably going to end up hiring a guy. So we've had to slow the process down a little bit and say, like, let's take the time to gather, you know, five, six qualified candidates and then choose the right one. The third is changing our approach of um, how we take that decision and emphasizing more potential. People who can be amazing at the job, who just maybe don't have the experience yet and giving those people the opportunity to show that they can do it. 
that's the hiring side of it, but it's perhaps like, it's only part of the equation. Once that person comes in, how do we make sure that they're successful? And that does go back to uh, the Singapore Women in Tech pledge in part, but it also goes back to Winnipeg. Um, part of the program that we built with the researchers in Canada was this Women in Leadership program. It's a program designed specifically with a, a long series of trainings um, to develop women into leadership roles as quickly as possible so that we can have better diversity at the, at the leadership level. And we call that power up, which is very gamey, um, but perfect for the situation. Uh, the second is with uh, our management program. And that's actually targeted at uh, young Singaporeans and helping Singaporeans develop into the leaders and managers of the future as quickly as possible. So that's, you know, the, the two sides of it is bringing people in and then making sure that they're successful in their new roles so they, they can adapt to the video game industry as quick as possible. The third facet of, of, uh, of this is flexibility. Um, again, we're, we're a creative studio, we're a creative industry, not everybody works the same. You know, I, I've worked with quite a few people over the years who would way rather prefer uh, working from like 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. than working, you know, uh, a usual schedule. But we also we have to accept that we're growing up as an industry. You know, we have more than 85 parents here in the studio. Um, people are at all different stages of their, their, their lives. And so we revamped our benefits completely to... Uh, make it easier for people to be parents and stay in the video game industry. Um, part of that is flex hours, uh, allowing people to set when do they start, when do they finish their day. Um, a really good example is people who like, I'm going to go pick up the kids from school. And then once the kids are in bed, they go back online and they catch up on work. Um, you know, things like that, giving that flexibility in when people work. And then, of course, the flexibility on where people work. Um, we have uh, a flex hybrid program where people can choose how much they come into the studio to work collaboratively and brainstorm, and, you know, do creative work and how much they, uh, they work at home. You know, so that's those three things all contribute to uh, bringing more people and more diversity into, uh, into our studio. No, that's that's great to hear, and it's uh, you know it's actually very very encouraging to, to see how Ubisoft is. Well, I'm not sure if it's if leading the charge is the right way, uh, right words, but definitely at the forefront of uh, embracing diversity. I've just sent you my resume. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and- <laughs> gladly accepted. <laughs> well, Daryl, um, thank you very much for joining us today, uh, but. Uh, one last question, one last thing. What can uh, the listeners, what can people expect from Ubisoft Singapore and the Philippines in the near future? Or, you know, what, what are the exciting things that are coming up from you guys? Uh, you know, in, in Southeast Asia, we have a big role to play. Um, and it is about being the leaders in the industry here and putting uh, Singapore and Philippines on the world map as a video game developer. You know, uh, diversity is incredibly, incredibly important to us. Um, that flexibility that I talked about, and we have a really solid strategy going forward to bring that that unique local flavor of video games to the rest of the world. So, you know, we're already working on the biggest games in the industry with Assassin's Creed and Skull and Bones, uh, and I'm really excited about what 
Ubisoft Singapore and Philippines is going to bring to the game industry and how we're going to change things in our community here. Thank you, Daryl. You know, thanks for taking the time uh, chatting with us today. I know you've got a very tight and packed schedule. I am very, very looking forward to Skull and Bones. Uh, I mean, that's that's the one I've been waiting for for, for quite a while now. So um, really excited for that. So Daryl, once again, thank you very much for joining us. And um, well, you've, well, you've heard it from Daryl Long. Managing Director, Singapore and Philippines, Ubisoft. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Zed. 